Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. everybody it is i the k-d-o-c-m that's king of dc media william powell welcome to another sizzling episode of the inside acting radio show tonight's show is brought to you by dc actors examiner a fantastic column all about acting you can find it by googling dc actors examiner remember to follow me at twitter the handle there is forward slash inside underbar acting and at Facebook, the handle there is forward slash William.T.Powell. Tonight's guest is actor extraordinaire Adib Muhammad, a.k.a. The Theater Warrior. Adib is one of the busiest cats in show business. Now, Adib will be appearing in the stage show Love is Still Blind, which is a delightful romantic comedy with a serious underlying theme. The show goes up May 2nd at 6 p.m., at Bowie Performing Arts Center, 15200 Annapolis Road, Bowie, Maryland. For tickets, go to www.ticketriver.com forward slash 15133. That's com forward slash 15133. Or you can inbox Adib Muhammad on Facebook. He is at handle, uh, that's forward slash A-D-I-Y-B, that's Adib, A-D-I-Y-B, or you can email him at the one at gmail.com, that's the one at gmail.com, A-D-I-Y-B-T-H-E-O-N-E at gmail.com. Also, Adib wants to announce that there is a casting notice for A Love is Still Blind, and the show is in need of a young lady aged 22 to 27 in a supporting role. If you are interested, come to Joe's Movement Emporium. That's 3309 Bunker Hill Road, Mount Rainier, Maryland, this Saturday at 5 p.m. Again, that's at Joe's Movement Emporium, 3309 Bunker Hill Road, Mount Rainier, Maryland, this Saturday at 5 p.m. So, let me bring Adib on in. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, so let me just bring him on in. Hey, Adib, what's up, man? Hey, William, how are you, my brother? Good to hear your voice, as always. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, bro. All right, all right. So, man, tell me about uh, who you play in Love is Still Blind. Well, in Love is Still Blind... Um, Love is Still Blind, I play a gentleman by the name of Mo, who happens to be a barber, and he is the surrogate father figure to the main character, character Daryl, whose father passed when he was young. He's the one that's having the romantic problems with the love of his life. 
Okay. All right. And you said that uh, there were some, like, serious underlying themes. So what are some of the underlying themes? Well, there are a couple. Um, not to give away too much of the story, but um, there's an issue of abuse, uh, physical abuse. There's an issue of um, cancer. I mean, there's a couple of underlying themes that's going to make people walk away thinking about some things. But they will enjoy themselves at the same time. All right. And uh, when did you guys uh, start rehearsing? Uh, we started rehearsing uh, a couple of months ago, actually. So we're really ready. We're really ready. I want to make one correction, though. The ticket uh-huh. is www.ticketriver.com forward uh-huh. slash event, then forward slash 15133. Okay, I got you. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, event forward slash 15133. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, and I, I got your email out there as well if anybody has any problems. Yeah, All and right. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Again, folks, that's uh, his email, uh, the one at gmail.com, A-D-I-Y-B-T-H-E-O-N-E at gmail.com. So man, tell me what's going on with Dry Bones, because man, I, I named you, I dubbed you the the, the theater <laughs> warrior, because man, you're doing so many plays. You're man after my own heart. I mean, you got so many plays, so many plays. So let's talk a little bit about Dry Bones. Okay, well, Dry Bones is a very very entertaining play written by Ivy Hawkins. Uh, I portray a character by the name of Rome. He's the uh, formerly absent father and husband with issues with his son. And uh, his son is Eugene. And since the father wasn't there at a certain point when Eugene was younger, then it causes some very intense, in-depth issues at this point. So it's very, uh, it's going to be very enlightening. It's a very intense role. I love it. Hmm. Okay. That's going to be at, uh, at Bowie Performing Arts Center as well, but that's not till June the 27th. Okay, so a lot of father mm-hmm. figures. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you are in a great American classic, The Piano Lesson, one of my all-time favorites by the great American playwright, <laughs> August Wilson. And uh, who do you play in that one, man? Well, man, I actually portray uh, Whining Boy. And if you remember, Whining Boy was the wandering, washed-up recording star in the play. Uh, okay. I get to sing an old prison work song and a couple other things. Just, like you say, it's classic August Wilson. So I could not in any way not do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to do it. Man, um, you got to do it. How can you got to do it? Yeah. Oh, for real. Mm. So that'll be uh, actually uh, July the 31st and August the 1st. And that'll be at the public playhouse in Chevrolet, Maryland. Oh wow! Oh wow! Wow, that's awesome! That's awesome! So I just imagine see that one. if you look at the dates involved and you see the, the amount of uh, memorization required, then you know you have to buckle down and get it done. So, being an Aries, I love the challenge of it all because I just love what I do. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, what, what do you find that uh, Wilson's material was particularly challenging uh, to prepare for? Um, actually, yes. 
because of the uh, now you know I'm I'm a I'm a Southern city boy from here in Washington D.C. and as you know Wilson, <laughs> um, dialogue is real country, so that added a little unique challenge in the pacing and um, but I don't know have you ever seen the uh, the the uh, movie the piano lesson with uh, Charles Dutton and Alfred Woodard. I've seen it. It came out like oh, 20 food. years ago. It was on TV. Yeah, I've seen it. Right, it's been a while, right. though. Yeah, 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 with uh, mm-hmm. Courtney B. Vance, I think, was in it. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, that kind of pops up in my mind. I actually went on YouTube and revisited that movie because it was excellent. You know, I'm going to do it my way, of course, but it was very interesting in terms of how Whiny Boy was portrayed in that film. Yeah, and I've never done. I think that I think I did a monologue one time, a uh, long time ago. And looking at the script, it seemed like Wilson has a lot of like stage direction, and it's like it's very dense. And he has this whole universe and the whole thing. Like you know, it's like talk a little bit more about that, the, the August Wilson universe. Man. The August Wilson <laughs> universe is so <laughs> so in depth with so many different layers, even in the character development for your character. Of course, you know part of that is your understanding your 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 interrelationship with the other characters, like my brother Doker in the play, and uh, Bernice. I mean, it's just a challenging, but rewarding experience, if you know what I mean. You know, because, you know, an actor's nightmare is walking on the stage and forgetting your lines, you know what I mean? So yeah. I kind of alleviate that that possibility because I'm high on mindset as an actor. I believe that if you focus, and that focus entails memorization of your lines as well as <clears throat> developing your character and adding the layers that allow your character to become real and you become that person. I mean, that takes work. I mean, unadulterated work. So with that being said, there's times when whereas a person would maybe sit back and watch television for a moment or listen to some music or whatever, I'm in my scripts going over my lines, you know what I'm saying, over and over again. And one thing I found a few years back that helped me in my memorization process is I write out all my lines. That way it goes deeper in my brain because it allows my mind to associate with seeing the words and actually being in the action of writing them out, and it helps me remember more. Yeah, yeah, that and also, uh, oh, there's so many there's so many techniques. I mean, uh, physical location, mm-hmm. the human memory is based on uh a physical location too, and I find that you know walking the lines. I know right exactly. now I'm going to be in uh, Raising in the Sun. Actually, I play uh, Bobo later this year. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah it's going to be at a Greenbelt Art that's Center in uh, May. Okay, and that's one of the things you find oh, okay. is that you have to to walk. You know, kind of walk the lines and physical location, writing the lines down and things like that. It's all. And it all goes into that. And it's just like being, like I say, being able to turn off the TV. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah. 
Because I know for Absolutely. me, the primary, my primary concern is in memorizing my lines, which allows me a certain level of confidence that allows me to relax and be committed and allows yeah. me to listen. And that way I'm open also for direction with a level of confidence. Right. And I just, you know, I need that. <laughs> you know, I need that. So it comes into preparation. All of the preparation. But what do you love so much about theater as opposed to film and TV? Um, really, for me, yeah. it's the challenge. It's the challenge. Um, the amount of work that's necessary to um, provide a, a good theatrical performance is just so different than film and television because, you know, you got retakes. You got editing, but in real time, when you walk out on the stage to do a performance, whether it's that early afternoon performance or that night performance, you have to have definitely did your work. And that in itself, that process of learning the lines, developing the character, and developing that level of confidence to know unquestionably that you're going to give your best performance, man, it's nothing like that. It's just nothing like that rush to me. So, and, you know, I love film as well, but theater is just going to be my first love. And then I find that all my research, when I first started acting, all of the um, considered great actors that I was aware of, including people like um, Denzel, Sam Forrest, Whitaker, Alfred Woodard, I mean, anybody that you can name that you really look at as being really accomplished as an actor or actress, man, they, they cut their bones in the theater. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Once I peeped that as a young man, then I made it my business to not even approach film and television until I had been doing stage for, like, I think it was almost seven and a half years. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, Denzel. And then that gave me a certain level of confidence. Absolutely. That gave me a certain level of confidence, you know? Mm -hmm. And based on the work I'm doing now um, and the people that I've, been approached by and the opportunities that I've been and being given is a lot of that what they see came from my my theater experience and background and then I just had to learn how to apply that to on camera technique and auditions and sides and such. Yeah, I know Denzel uh, originated. What was it, Malcolm X on stage? Many years ago, exactly. I think he was seen exactly. by a casting director back in the early, I think the early 80s, and he made his first little film out there mm-hmm. out west. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, man, what's you, going on? You know, if you go notice, ahead. like, go ahead. No, what was you going to say? No, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you notice, um, a lot of times when we don't see people like Denzel, Samuel Jackson, Forrest Whitaker, Morgan Freeman on screen, when you do a little research, you find that, well, Denzel kind of changed that now. He he say he don't want to put that much work in for the theater as much. But you'll find everybody else is constantly doing theater when they're not on screen. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And there's some actors that can't do it. I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, Julia Roberts, Jafet Koto, I think, had some problems. <laughs> he just couldn't make that adjustment. <laughs> they had uh, always uh, 
been the people, that, the, the kind of actors that focus more on film and they just couldn't make that transition back to stage. I exactly, exactly. Because they don't really, you know, if you don't really have a, have that theater background and experience, it can be difficult, particularly if you um, start out as an on-camera actor and then someone asks you to do a stage play. Sometimes that can be somewhat difficult from what I understand. <laughs> it relates to the rehearsals and the commitment necessary. You used to being able to say line, <laughs> you can't do that in the last year. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's going on with uh, he's not mine, she's not mine? Well, currently, as you know, uh, he's not mine, she's not mine. I mean, that's the National Donor Awareness Stage play that we previously did under that particular name. What is what we're in the process of doing now, actually, when we did a reassessment, because we're doing a national tour, right? Um, yeah. What we decided to do, we did an in-depth analysis and assessment of the production, and we found that we needed to do some, some additional updates and actually change the name from the standpoint oh. of the branding and the resonation and it being, um, being able to resonate with the donor community. Yeah. So when we come back out, there's going to be some changes, particularly with the name. Like right now, we're in the process of copywriting and all of that. And uh, Ray just called me today and told me to finish some additional elements and aspects of the script. So it's going to be a whole different presentation, if you will. Even though we had a great, great response from the organ procurement community as it relates to He's Not Mine, She's Not Mine. But the name since it wasn't originally intended about donor awareness until we changed some of, when he changed some of the writing and such when we decided to go cause marketing, um, man, we coming back with a with a vengeance, if you will. People are gonna love it. So just be patient. We'll be back soon. But if people oh, want yeah, yeah, to, I saw with, it. It was a very good play. Yeah, you did. You did. In fact, you wrote a nice little uh, review. Oh yeah, we, we wanted to get. We was gonna come get you a little bit though, because you, we felt like you told them something that was very important. But we're not gonna oh. get into that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Like you say, you're revamping it though. <laughs> yeah, we are. Well, we are, and it's you got publicity. You got publicity out of it. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And then we really appreciate it, man. You, uh, you were very instrumental in getting the word out, man. We really appreciate you, no doubt. Oh yeah, yeah man, yeah. So bad guys, let's talk about bad guys. You played a bad guy in uh, King's Son. Yeah. So how there do you, you prepare go. for those, those those bad guy roles, man? <laughs> I had to hit you with that. <laughs> okay. Let me see. How would I answer that question? Yeah. Okay, in King's Son, you know, which is a. Uh, actually a crime series, uh, much like uh, a mafioso type of scenario, but never presented exactly the way we're doing it. Um, Anthony Commodore, the writer and VP of the film, did a phenomenal job in writing. And he had some additional writers that he hired because I think it's something like 13 episodes. But um, he initially, his concept, of bringing five 
crime bosses together, uh, an Italian crime boss, a Russian crime boss, a Middle Eastern crime boss, a Hispanic crime boss, and an African-American crime boss, man, that was a very good idea because it has a lot of layers, some very in-depth scenarios can come about as a result of that. And it shows you pretty much, um, you know, fictionally how a mob works and the power struggles. So it's, it made for a definitely interesting story. And back to your question about preparing as a bad guy. Um, all these years of reading crime novels and watching American gangster and stuff like that. So I had a little bit to work with as it relates to some of the history and some of the um, stories and description of some of the characters, which lend to my developing my character of CBK and King's son, because he's somewhat psychotic and he's a little schizophrenic, but he runs his organization real well, but he runs it so ruthlessly, you know, it makes for great drama. Yeah, yeah, man, it looks hot. I saw the trailer, the the, the sizzler trailer, man. It sizzled, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you see the director's uh, interview? What's that now? Did you see the director's interview as well? The director's That I did not uh, watch yet. Yeah, I didn't watch that one yet. Oh, man. Yeah, wait, wait. get back to me when you watch that. Ah, <laughs> well, was man. hot, though. <laughs> That's great. But you know, the okay, interesting man. thing that I find. Yeah. Now, what did you say, Will? The interesting thing I find, you know, I'm actually uh, involved with um, the, the feature film Touch, the independent film Second Chance by Randall Lawrence, the independent film Boss by Mitch Creedle, and King's Son, which is a crime series by Anthony Commodore. So I really oh, am feeling very blessed at this time in my life, man. You know, I really am. And I want to thank all the people I'm associated with in my network that have allowed me these opportunities, which allows me to help other people. So that's the greatest part about it, I believe. Yeah, that's a blessing. That's a blessing to do what the Lord put you here to do and also to serve a purpose higher than yourself, man. That's that's what's that's what's up. That's what it's all about, man, your inspirational brother. And to that end, I know that you're a Wayne Dyer fan, man, so – I gotta ask you to speak and, to, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to speak to some ty- some chapter titles from this famous book uh, book I read when I was a young chap way back in the day called Your Erroneous Zone. So what I did, I came up with some good titles. So I just want you to like kind of really think and, and just speak to these subjects that that uh, Dr. Dyer brought up. So man, the first one I'm gonna okay. throw out there is. Um, Okay, he had a chapter title from Your Erroneous Zones. It's called, uh, said, uh, You Don't Need Their Approval. You Don't Need Their Approval. Speak on that a little bit. Oh, man. That's just <clears throat> the way that I remember Erroneous Zone, which was actually the first book that I read that really opened my mind to thinking outside of the box, was that yeah. in terms of your life, the decisions that you make about what it is you'll choose to do that fulfills you has absolutely nothing to do with people outside of yourself telling you that you got to do it my way because your way may not be, I mean, their way may not definitely won't be your way to fulfill you. 
So you have to have a, you have to have developed a certain level of of confidence in yourself and that 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 spiritual voice that speaks to you in the decisions you make about what you're going to do that makes you happy. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah man. So now the next one is uh he has a chapter here the useless emotions, guilt and worry. Speak on that a little bit. <laughs> Guilt and worry, those two emotions in particular are based on how you choose to look at situations and things as they happen in your life and you're worrying about things that actually haven't happened yet that cause you anxiety as though it has. And that's a choice that we make and how we approach our lives and our choices because every choice we make, we unquestionably know, has some type of um, circumstance associated with it or result as a result of the decision we make and the action we take, right? So yeah. that goes and lends to the fact that you've got to be conscious of the fact of how much power to impact your own life you have merely by the decisions you make about how you do what you do, who you do what you do with, and what comes out of that? Hmm. Yeah, man. That's right. That's right. Okay, so moving right along to another one of his chapters, man, he had in there, Breaking the Barrier of Convention. Talk about that one. Okay. Breaking the Barrier, uh, the barrier of Convention as it relates to my life, and I'll use my life as an example. When I made the decision to to become an actor, now you do realize I just turned 60 March the 31st. Yes, I'm aware. And happy belated. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. And when I made the decision to become an actor, I really didn't talk to a lot of people about how I felt. The first opportunity I had, which came out of the Killer Blue Sky, I was asked to do a a role in a play I had never acted before. I went on and did it because I wasn't scared. And when I did it, I found that I absolutely was bitten by the acting bug. And mm-hmm. most of the people in my life, they wasn't a part of that experience. They didn't act or, you know, so when I kind of mentioned, oh, man, then, you know, some people said, man, you're too old to be doing that, man. That's something, something kids do. You can't, man. You don't need to be doing that. And at that point, when I heard that, I stopped talking to people. Mm. And really, I, I I just stopped talking to people because it was something that I felt that fulfilled me in a way that was undescribable to somebody else that wasn't in the game, if you will. You mm. know what I mean? And then coming yeah. to it at the age that I came to it and, and my realization that it was something that I loved and then the way I learned to think from my years of reading Wayne Dyer, Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, Willie Jolly, and Les Brown, then it made me unquestionably realize that I had the power in this to make this a reality in my life. I went about doing it, you know, and I kind of approached it pragmatically from the standpoint of realizing that, okay, when I did my little research of who was the best actors, what was their experiences, I said, okay, I'll stay in theater for a while. 
And then when I made the decision to say, let me try this film and television, then I started looking for some of the best out there to associate myself with and learn from. Like John Pilata, it was my original on-camera coach. You know, and being a part of the Actors Center, you know how they have the the workshops. So I right. took advantage of all that to get to where I am today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then sure a few the times. great thing about it for me is, like, you know how they say your network is your net worth? And that doesn't oh, always yeah. translate into dollars and cents, but it translates into people you associate. Because if it had not been for my experiences with John and that environment, I may not have met you. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So it's been like, it's been, I mean, it's been worth all the effort, all the the challenge, and sometimes anxiety. In the sense that, okay, I got to get this done because I want to get it done. And, you know, you get a little excited sometimes. But it's been all worth it to me, and I'm just loving my life, so I'm cool. All right, man, all right. Okay, so we got a couple more, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, He has a title in there of a chapter, Breaking Free from the Past. Talk a little bit about that one. Okay, Breaking Free from the Past primarily means that we come to the realization that the past is just that, the past. What we want to take out of the past is whatever lessons that we learned from it that attributes to us being better as we move forward. Because realistically, the only thing that exists is now and now in this present time only. The past is just that, the past. So you don't bring... Mm -hmm. You don't bring other than the positive lessons that you learned from your past into your now because why worry about something that happened years ago that was going on in your life at that point because then you bring that to this moment now. So what you want to do is live in the now, do things consistently in this now moment, and then you create your future because they, they say the best way to ensure your future is what you do in the present. And that's why it's just that, a present. And you got to appreciate and be in gratitude about that. And you just constantly do the work. So you Absolutely. separate yourself from right. the past other that's than right. so much as what you've learned from it. But you don't, like some people cry about things that have transpired that they can at this moment do nothing about other than change mm. themselves by the decision they make to do something different, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing when you look at your future. Your future is not here yet. You're creating your future by what you do in the present. And that's the whole way to believe me. Believe me that's the whole way I approach the whole acting thing. That's why mindset is a big thing to me as an actor. Because with the proper mindset, you just do the work. You know my absolutely all-time favorite commercial? You remember Nike when they came out with Just Do It? Yeah. <laughs> that's how I apply. Just do it. <laughs> Don't make it complicated. Do it. Don't complicate it by just do it. Yep. And everybody I know that acts, um, that separates what you would consider your professional actors from people who merely do this as, quote, unquote, a hobby. And then they wonder mm-hmm. why they don't get the results that they would like to get in terms of the amount of work. And it's all about the amount of experiences and broadening your network, because that's where all of your opportunities come from, other people. 
in your interaction with other people. We, none of us do this alone. I'm not doing anything that I'm doing by myself. It's all as a direct relationship to high networking with the positive people that I network with, and we all are in this game to win. But at the same time, in our winning, all of us understand that our winning is in direct relationship to how many other people we help to win. I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, okay, so I got one more left here, man. Uh, last chapter. See, there you here. go. You did, You put me on the spot, Will. You put me on the spot. Well, I love it. Go man, you do, you're knocking everyone out of the park, man. You knocked it out of the park and into the, the parking lot, man. You, you set an alarm on one of the cars, man. You just knocked it out. Okay, you're going to love this one. I promise, brother. You're going to love this one. Putting an end to procrastination now. That's one of the, the titles, he, the chapters he had in there. Talk about that. Putting an end to procrastination now Yeah. precisely what he just said. Now, this moment, when you sit yeah. down and say to yourself, you come to some type of analysis that, okay, this is what I want to be going on in my life. Yeah. And you don't keep continuously sitting there looking at it and analyzing if you want something to happen. You're going to have to make some steps. You're going to have to do some type of action that brings some very, very specific result. And it don't always be a specific result in the sense of I know exactly what's going to happen. I just know that nothing's going to happen if I don't do anything. Mm, but I do yeah. know something's going to happen if I do something. So let's get into just doing the something and then let it come to you. Because what you're really saying to the universe is that this is what you want your life to be. And the, yeah. the, the amazing thing to me that has been consistently happening since thinking like this is all I have to do is have the intent and put action and enthusiasm and love into what I'm trying to accomplish, and the universe does the rest for me. And the next thing I know, I'm doing exactly what I set out to do but didn't know specifically how I was going to get it done. But I knew I started doing something. Yeah. I didn't procrastinate. Yeah. I got in motion. How'd I do on that one? Did I do okay? <laughs> man, you just killing it. You just killing it. Absolutely, man. I love your, your mindset. Okay, man. So we're just coming out of a few minutes left. So, um, Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I know you have a production company and all that stuff, and uh, talk a little bit about how fans can uh, keep up with you and um, anything well, else you want to put out there. Okay, well, the bottom line, fans can keep up with me by going to my Facebook, you know, Facebook slash Adib, and it comes up Adib Abdullah Muhammad. Then they can go to my Twitter, which is at A-D-I-Y-B-M, and they can go to, uh, and then I also got an Instagram. So just get on get on board. I guarantee you if if acting is what you want to do, um, I also coach. So the thing is, is that here in the DMV, we're trying to change the game. We're trying to raise people's conscience to understand that we have just as much opportunity if we create it as they have in Atlanta, L.A., and New York, and we can do that in the DMV because there are major things happening as a result of the success of Veep and the success of House of Cards. And things are happening in this area that people got to pay attention to, and we're going to be right at the forefront of some of the things that's going on. That's not only in film, 
But Black Carpet Productions is, that's my company, and that's a company that's primarily about giving playwrights an opportunity to put their plays on, in addition to creating some film down the line in terms of projects that we want to do short films. I mean, my network is incredible. Anthony Commodore, Randall Lawrence, Mitch Cradle. I mean, we got people that's doing things here. The Empire Group is moving. I mean, Malacom Productions is moving. Everybody's moving in the DMV. So if you're an actor, performer, singer, then get with it. That's all I can say. Contact me. You can email me, and we can get very specific at adeve the one at gmail dot com. Oh, Adib, it's been great having you on the show again. What's that? Go ahead. Man, always a pleasure. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's just been a pleasure, man. I definitely have you on again. I just get excited just hearing you talk and your your mindset and your your energy and just. Man, you just this area, like you say, this area we can rival any area in the country, man. I think we can we can do it, man. So, uh, and also, I just want to wish you some uh, uh, good luck for Saturday too, man, with the casting. Hey, man, thank you, man. Really appreciate it, bro. And William, man, your show is phenomenal, man. You just keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully soon we'll get to work together on stage or on camera, bro. <laughs> That's what's up, man. <laughs> All right, Adib. Well, thank you for your kind words, and man, you have a a blessed evening and a blessed week, man. Everyone out there that's listening, may God sincerely bless you, and may all your dreams and devils come true. Amen. All right, man. Okay. Have a great right. night. You too. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. And let me leave you with this quote, everybody, from uh, the great, late George Burns, who played God in the movies. Uh, his quote is, thing is all about honesty. If you can take that, you've got it made. Good night. <laughs>